You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Shalom once again in the Lord. My name is Dr. Michael Weiss with Zion's Hope. I'm defining end times terms biblically. These are common biblical words or phrases that focus on eschatology or the study of end times. I've discussed various things so far from the day of the Lord to the times of the Gentiles, the image of the beast, and more. Next, I want to cover a topic that Scripture mentions briefly, but is a very hot topic. What is that? The mark of the beast, found in Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18. This is a big topic, like I said, and I'm going to explore this in more detail. So this is part one of the topic to define the mark of the beast. Let's read these verses, Revelation 13, 16 through 18. And he, the false prophet, causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hands or their foreheads. And he decrees that no one will be able to buy or sell except for the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Whew. Here we go. There are a variety of views when it comes to this topic. You know, some have taught and embraced some very strange things in church history regarding this. So I first want to caution you about the hype and the sensationalism connected to much of the study and the teaching about the mark of the beast. It is not credit cards or worshiping on Sundays, cell phones or a vaccine at this point. In fact, the mark of the beast does not exist yet at this point in history while I'm recording this. But I want to state up front that I believe the mark of the beast will be a literal mark. Say, why is that? There's a variety of reasons which I'll cover. First, I want to look at 16a. The false prophet implements the mark. Some Christians and leaders and teachers and preachers believe the Antichrist creates the mark or implements the mark. But what does the text say? The mark's going to be put in place by the false prophet. He causes all to take it. Now, he may enforce the taking of it, of course, at the direction of the Antichrist. But the false prophet is the one in charge of it, it seems to be, though, of course, the Antichrist will be involved too. To what extent? We're not told. Nor are we told how he will enforce all these things. That, again, makes me believe that technology is going to play a heavy role when it comes to this. Not just the image, but the mark of the beast. Next. Also in 16a, the significance of the mark. A mark meant various things in the ancient world. This will give us some historical context about what John wrote when he talked about this guided by the Holy Spirit. First of all, it is a statement of ownership. Those who get the mark will be owned by the Antichrist rather than being owned by Christ. When someone is owned by another, guess what? They're a slave to that owner. They bow before that owner. Second, it is a statement of submission. 
Those who take the mark of the beast will do whatever he says. Follow him and worship him because you do what your master tells you. Taking the mark is submitting to the authority of the Antichrist. Rather than submitting to God, those who take the mark of the beast will submit not only to the Antichrist, but to Satan, who empowers the Antichrist, and of course the false prophet too. And this is what Satan has always been after. Number three, it is a statement of rebellion. The mark of the beast is rebellion against God. That's what it ultimately is. Make no mistake. You cannot take the mark and secretly be a Christian and help other Christians. It doesn't work that way. It's an act of rebellion. You could even say rejection of God, too. Number four. It is a statement of dependence. When we talk about how it's going to be required for buying and selling, it's dependent upon taking the mark because you've got to do that if you want to buy food for your family. The mark shows dependence upon the one whose mark it is. It's a declaration of faith that he'll take care of them and their needs and provide for them. Rather than depending upon God for food and shelter and the necessities of life, at that time, those who take the mark will depend upon the Antichrist and his government system that will be in place. And you know what? This shouldn't surprise us. I mentioned this briefly last time. More and more, People want the government and government leaders to take care of them, particularly in the West. And those who want such things don't know history and don't know the consequences of what happens when the government takes over for the benefit of the people. But I want to pause and talk a little bit about the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be against Christ and in the place of Christ as a counterfeit Christ. Let me say that one more time. The Antichrist will be against Christ and in the place of Christ as a counterfeit Christ. When we as individuals repent and put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become part of God's family and we become owned by God. We become His slaves as well as His children. We trust Him to provide our needs and the needs of others. We trust Him to lead us by His Word and by His Spirit who indwells us. We submit to Him as Lord. When we trust in Christ, we reject the rule of Satan to serve another master. There's no other better master to serve either, by the way. And while the mark of the beast is surrounded by economic terms, it is much more than just a means of buying and selling. This mark will be a statement of submission, dependence, and faith in the Antichrist to worship him as God and to submit to the one whom he serves and empowers and that, of course, is Satan himself. Not that he empowers Satan, but Satan empowers him. Now let's go to 16b. Who gets the mark and where will it be located? Well, as we saw in the verses, everyone will be commanded to get it. The false prophet will command all or everyone, small, great, rich, poor, free and slave, to get the mark. No matter who you are, no matter what status in life you are, or what you have or don't have, you'll be commanded to get this mark. And I also find it very interesting, the contrast. Small, great, rich, poor, free, slave. I don't find any middle ground in there. Middle class, perhaps gone. Whoever you are, though, will be commanded to get this mark. Now, different words are used to describe this command. So just in case you wonder where I got those various ideas and meanings that I mentioned, you're going to see them in these words. 
Revelation 13, 16, causes all, poeo, P-O-I-E-O, that is make or do for all. Also in Revelation 13, 16, receive a mark, dosin otois, or didomai otois, own, that's to own something as your own possession. Revelation 13, 17, having the mark, ekon, E-C-H-O-N, that is to have, possess, with the idea again of ownership. Then Revelation 14.9, received. It's based upon lambano, that is taking, and it refers to the willingness of someone to take it. So in this case, it's not forced on you, though someone could be easily coerced, shamed, or pushed into taking it, or you're going to die. <laughs> and you know what? That's pretty good incentive for a lot of people. But I think it may be presented, at least in some cases, in a different way. What do I mean by that? I can see how it's going to be presented for your benefit, for your good, for the benefit of society, for the ease of transactions. Go ahead and get the mark. Maybe that's the way it'll be approached at first. And as time goes on, it'll be more and more serious. If you don't get it, you die. So it could be a mixture, subtle techniques and even threats. But regardless, at least in some cases, it'll be a choice. How much of a choice, quote unquote, remains to be seen. But where will this mark be placed? Well, the verses say on the right hand or on the forehead. Why is that? Well, it's connected with the Jewish context of Revelation, and it goes back to the Old Testament. Ezekiel 9, verses 3 and 4. Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house. And he called the man clothed in linen who had the writing case at his waist. And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations are committed in it, that is committed in Jerusalem. So there was this spiritual mark, although it's pictured as a literal mark, given to those who were grieved over the evil that was done in Jerusalem in that day. These were the faithful remnant. And in Revelation, God seals His own as a faithful remnant in Revelation chapter 7, verse 3, chapter 9, verse 4, and chapter 14, verse 1. Let's read a few of those. Revelation 7, verses 2 and 3. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea and saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now this is in the context of the 144,000 Jews. Revelation 9, verses 2 through 4. He, the fifth angel, opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, the abyss, and from the shaft arose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Revelation 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with Him 144,000 who had His name and His Father's name written on their foreheads. God will spiritually seal the 144,000 Jews for His purpose on their foreheads. So the mark of the beast will be a counterfeit 
physical reality of a spiritual reality. But it will also counterfeit what the Jews did during the first century and even today. And what is that, you may ask? In Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 8, God told the Israelites to bind His commandments as a sign on their hand or on their forehead. Now, God didn't mean literally to do this, but the Jews of antiquity and today literally do this with their phylacteries. The Orthodox tie verses in little boxes on their head and their hand, and it's knowing as the laying of the tefillin. The mark of the beast mimics and mocks this. The phylacteries were and are a visual commitment to God, at least in their minds, and the mark of the beast will be a visual commitment to the beast and to Satan. Remember something. Where God has something that's real, Satan always has his counterfeit. Here's some examples. God says marriage is between a man and a woman. Satan says it can be yeah, between anyone, even multiple people. God can do authentic miracles. Satan can do deceptive miracles. There's genuine conversion. Then there's false conversions. So don't be surprised that Satan has a counterfeit mark to mimic and mock what the Jewish people do in their own tradition. Next, we come to verse 17a, the purposes for the mark. First of all, it will be used for identification. It seems it's going to be used for that purpose. Not only will it identify a person with the Antichrist, but it's probably going to be more than that. Why say that? That's where technology is headed. That's where it's going more and more as time goes on. And there is a big push to consolidate information about you and me onto some form of digital media. Your medical history, your allergies, your banking information, your voice, and more with some kind of digital footprint can be used as identification. Now, we are told this is secure, but never told how or by whom, by the way. Something to think about. But I believe it will be used for identification. Second, this is, of course, what the text says. is going to be required for buying and selling in verse 17a. So without the mark, you cannot conduct any kind of financial exchange. So it has to be physical because you can't buy or sell without it. Now, personally, I believe that the events regarding COVID foreshadow what's going to happen because it conditioned us for it. Think about it. Most people around the world were very willing to do whatever it took to be, quote, protected without asking questions. Now, I am not saying if you shut your church down for a few weeks or months or took the jab or whatever that you're gullible and ignorant. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying you're partaking of some kind of satanic plot. I was actually pastoring at the time, and early on, there were a lot of unanswered questions. You know, we didn't know the dangers, and we took precautions, legitimate precautions. And the church where I pastored, we stopped meeting for about five weeks or so. But I restarted after other evidence came to light, and I said, we need to restart. We need to come back together. But what happened at that time? Those who began to question the popular narrative were silenced, shut down, and shamed. And in fact, some churches were closed for years and so many around the world were willing to stay home, lose their jobs, lose their freedom, all for the comfort of feeling safe, quote-unquote. Vaccine passports and certificates were issued around the world, and they were put in place very quickly. Some fought them, but most were willing to follow what the government said very fast, very easily. And we saw how quickly those in power 
put something in place that impacted the world. Flights were grounded. Some places restricted movement, not just within the country, but within even communities and neighborhoods. You couldn't go but, you know, a few hundred yards or so from where you lived. In some countries, media and leadership actually encouraged the people to rat out those who went outside without approval. Again, early on, taking precautions were understandable. But as time went on, as, as the evidence showed what was taking place, very few pushed back. Please listen closely. We will give up our freedom for a sense of security. Write it down. Connected to all this is the push to go cashless worldwide. Why is this important? A cashless society is easily manipulated and controlled because everything is done digitally. Let me ask you, do you do transactions online? I do. And guess what? Every online transaction is recorded. Algorithms and data collected about people allow those in authority to find out about you, about me, what we believe, what we like, what our political views are, and more. And why is all this important? If you don't fall in line with those in control and say or do something contrary to what they want, you will become targeted and limited in what you can do, where you can go, what you can buy, and more. These types of things, I believe, are setting the foundation for the literal mark of the beast. You say, well, when will it take place? Well, that and more we'll cover next time. I believe the church and the world saw a preview of what is to come with what the governments did during COVID. We need to search our hearts as individuals and churches to stand for the truth and love and not be controlled, not be manipulated by those who want to impose their desires, their purposes, their goals, and their worldview upon us. Yes, again, we respect and obey authority and pray for those in leadership. But we do not submit when they go beyond that authority and oppose God's word. Also, starting to put these things in place, we can see the mark of the beast has not been put in place yet. Everything up to this point <laughs> that's been called the mark of the beast is not the mark of the beast. You know, one reason we as Christians need to have a biblical theology is because there's so much unbiblical theology in Christianity. And truth will help you to overcome the lies in the world and in the church. But you must learn it and live it out. Third, this will help you to discuss this topic and more with those who are fearful. You know, as, as a, a pastor, as a professor, and as a, even as a Christian talking to many of my friends, there are a lot of Christians who live in fear. They live in fear of what could happen or what's going on, what's going to happen in the world. Oh no, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? You know, some do fear for their lives in persecuted countries. Others fear because of an atmosphere of fear created from the media and bad leaders and our own fears and our own hearts. And some are terrified that the mark of the beast is right now. And they need help. They need hope. So understanding the chronology and what the mark of the beast is and the situation of end times is key to helping them overcome some of the fear that they have. So that when you talk to somebody, say, wait, 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 hold on. Let's look at the text. Let's put some pieces together. It's not here yet. You don't have to be afraid. Fourth, those who take the mark of the beast will obey their master, the Antichrist, who is in reality 
controlled by Satan. But in contrast, are we as Christians obeying our Lord and Master, Jesus, today? Now, He will have us each do different things in different places. But are we loving Him, following Him? Of course, as best as we can today in preparation for tomorrow. I'm Dr. Michael Weiss with Zion's Hope. Be sure to visit our website, www.ziontope.org. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, which has hundreds of videos on the end times and more from our very gifted Bible teachers. Also on our website, there's books, articles, and many other resources available for you as well. Until next time, be strong in the Lord until He returns. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 